something? This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him, episode 20. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And this day, <laughs> we watched 51st Dates, a Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore romantic comedy in Hawaii. In Hawaii. And like you said uh, yesterday, this is one of those movies that people are so mad because they filmed it on location. Do you know where the movie was originally going to be filmed? Seattle. I did look at that. Mm-hmm. I am so glad that they did it in Hawaii because it gives me so much more to talk about. One, the idea that they would be angry about that is very dumb because it's explained <laughs> in the movie why it's in Hawaii. Um, and I think that's something we're going to... Where? When? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it later. You didn't go deep enough. But first off, this movie is a two-star Sandlayer movie. That's what we decided on, right? Because it's produced partially by Hyde Madison, stars him. Um, yeah. And I think after doing research and doing some understanding, Adam Sandler made the choice to do this in Hawaii instead of Seattle. He brought on some of the comedic parts. You know, it says writer George Wing. I, I just think he doesn't put himself in as writer. You know? Yeah. Like, it also has a lot of the, the Happy Madison team in it. Like Alan Covert's in mm-hmm. it. Um, the Rob Schneider is unfortunately in the it. The coach from Waterboys in it. Rudy is in it. Yeah, Rudy's in it. Um, but <laughs> so George Wing, the writer, wrote a thing called Fifty First Kisses, and then he still says he wrote that. And this is called Fifty First Stage, which is slightly different. Some say it's just due mm-hmm. to uh, how close it was to Never Been Kissed by Drew Barrymore, but there's probably a little more to it than that. It's probably a different movie. Yeah, it's probably a different movie. <laughs> Um, well, if you didn't realize it, this is the podcast where we're watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies in a row every single day and doing a podcast about it. Yes. <laughs> Why are we doing this? To see, does Adam Sandler deserve the hate? And moreover, is he trying to tell us anything? Is he trying to relay any message? Does he have any artistic merit? And you know what? I think that this movie has a lot of stuff to say. I found this movie very enjoyable. Alex, how many times did you laugh? And how many times did you tally your laughing when Adam Sandler was sing crying? I laughed 37 times. And while he was sing crying, at least four. Did you tear up at all? Uh, yeah, I teared up twice. And then once had a, had a wipe away, which I'll count as a full cry. Oh, wow. Yeah. I also had a full cry. I had a full tear at the very end of the movie. My, my full tear that wasn't was at the me. end. It, one of the what? music uh, hits in the middle got me. Oh. I think it was the wouldn't it be nice part. Interesting. Yeah, this movie I think is very sweet. And unfortunately, there are some very unfortunate elements of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's things dragging it down um, that are inconsequential to the main plot. Yeah, you could have gotten rid of, and it would have been fine. But how do you think critics and the audience liked it? I think that it was pretty well liked by the audience. I think the audience rating is probably in the 60s. Critics rating, I'm going to put it 50s. Did they recommend it? Critics are at 45. Audience is at 65. Okay, I was only five off. That's not bad. Yeah, um, I think it, it deserves to be a little higher than that. Just, I, um, I mean... I don't. I, I feel like Rob Schneider deservedly brought it down i i I agree but i also don't agree and i don't want to like say that i disagree that rob schneider had a racist performance i just think there's Mm. more to it than that and i don't want to like i don't want to have to wait like 20 minutes to talk about why i'm not super upset by his uh performance so the big part is rob schneider um 
he plays a person named Ula in this. He he basically plays a indigenous surfer bro, I think is there was a word for it, but I don't remember what it was. And the thing is, he based his performance off a indigenous surfer bro named Ula, who has one eye, who told him he could play him in this movie, and he based his mannerisms off him. Okay. Which doesn't mean it's a great performance. It is like a bad performance. He does a bad caricature of Pigeon and doesn't do it right. I read a bunch of uh, opinions from Hawaiian people um, that basically said, yeah, it's an offensive bad characterization of it. Um, but their opinions range from like, it was like laughable for us to see someone like unable to speak clearly to like it's just straight racist and i think it is racist as bad um it isn't what a lot of people said he, he's not doing brown face in this movie mostly because he's just half filipino and he can get that tan um he just tanned a little i i just find it not a good look to call stuff a brown face when there are movies that do that and there is stuff that to do that and we probably shouldn't you know throw that around to a half filipino man mm-hmm. when david carvey dana carvey is like doing brown face and a piece of shit in <laughs> in mastered scouts <laughs> i just i just think like yeah. there's a huge difference in this this bad performance that is not good and doesn't work well and like straight up the racist performance of dana carvey for me i think it's way more offensive that given the history of um colonialism in hawaii and the history of hawaiians being played by white people i know that he's half filipino mm-hmm. but still yeah, it's I just... mean, the thing is, the whole movie does this. Um, to pin it solely on Rob Schneider is no, an yeah, understatement. Yeah. Um, there's several actors that could have been Hawaiians that aren't. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a theme of Hawaiian people only being uh, menial labor throughout the movie while white people are playing doctors and artists and dentists and stuff like that. It's overall not a good representation of Hawaii and their people. Which makes sense knowing that the movie was supposed to be in Seattle and they added that in at the end and then fucked it up. And not saying it's good, it is bad, but you know, that's why they fucked it up and it should be very much on everyone's shoulders that this happened, not on only the one actor. Well, also, can you believe there's just a guy named Ula with one eye who acts like this apparently and thought this was hilarious? <laughs> no, that's so funny to yeah. me. Because <laughs> if you. <laughs> I would not, like, once I read that there was an Ula who was like, yeah, please, I would love to be in an Adam Sandler movie. Like, if you acting like me is the funniest shit I've ever heard. So I'm like, I don't know. It just, it's, it seems so much worse until that happened for me, personally. Um, but I don't think that's probably necessarily how everyone feels. And, I mean, I still think it's a shitty racist part of the movie. Mm. But it also has nothing to do with the plot, weirdly enough. No, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with the plot. So... Let's hear what the plot is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are actually familiar with this movie, even if they've never seen it. I think a lot of people have said, like, oh my gosh, it's like 50 first dates whenever they're talking about amnesia. Yeah. Um, it's in the zeitgeist. Anyway, yeah, it's definitely in the zeitgeist, which is why I advocated for giving this movie more Sandler stars than you gave it originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I want to point out, the Sandler thing isn't how big or well the movie was received or how many people know about it. It's... It's how much I think Adam Sandler personally was involved. Henry Roth 
played by Adam Sandler, is a womanizer who hooks up with tourists while they're in Hawaii. He always tells them some story about why he can't call them or see them again after they leave, like, I'm a secret agent, or I'm married, etc. He wants to say, stay single because he has big plans to go to Alaska in his boat to study walruses. But when he meets Lucy, played by Drew Barrymore, at a cafe, he kind of falls in love. He really likes her. But when he comes back to the cafe to have breakfast with her the next day, she doesn't remember him at all. Turns out she has a fictional disease called Goldfield's disease, where uh, her she doesn't convert long, uh, short-term memory to long-term memory while, while she sleeps. Um, so she starts every day thinking that it is the day of her accident. Uh, her dad and her brother, uh, played by Dick Clark and Sean Astin, a.k.a. Samwise Gamgee, uh, let her think that it is the day of her accident every single day. They, they essentially gaslight her. Um, like to an extreme degree. Yeah, they um, they repaint a wall. <laughs> they act like it's his birthday. They are have newspapers from that day, um, and yeah. they're trying to hide the fact that she was ever had an issue, basically. Yeah, um, and they've been doing this for like one year. Well, they ha- it hasn't been a whole year yet. Yeah, yeah, it's been slightly over a year. Okay, um, her dad finds out. Um, about this, and, and he forbids Henry from seeing her again at the cafe, but Henry kind of twists those words to say that he can still see her elsewhere, and he gets her to stop on the road to meet him again every day, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, the dad and the brother find out that he's been doing this, and they bring Henry to their house to show him how she only sings when she paints the shed on the days that he meets, that she meets him. Uh, it's a Beach Boy song. Uh, wouldn't it be nice? So they they let Henry stick around. Uh, one day, Lucy gets a ticket for expired sticker plates, and she finds out that she's lost her memory. Like, she realizes it's not the day that she thinks it is, and she basically has a breakdown. I mean, why wouldn't you? Mm. Uh, and this is what the dad says is a bad day. So this has happened before. Yeah, I do want to point out, this is how I knew what day was. They say her tags are expired by seven months. And she says they don't expire until May, so you can do the math and know it's November. Oh, I tried to do the math, and I just gave up on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the dad and um, dad and brother and Henry, they go to the hospital, um, like the memory institute or like the brain institute or whatever, where they study people with memory loss from brain damage. For them to explain it to her, she was in an accident where her dad was driving her back home from picking a pineapple for his birthday and they had to swerve out of the way of a cow and he was fine but she uh she hit her head Mm -hmm. uh next time um the next day i think it is or some sometime soon henry comes up with a plan to make a video for her to make the bad days not so bad to kind of like smooth her into that transition and it works pretty well and things end up going great and they keep seeing each other but then Lucy overhears Henry talk about how he's not going to go on, on his Alaska trip anymore because Lucy needs him to take care of her. Lucy doesn't want that life for him. She doesn't want the same life that her dad and brother have done for her. Um, so she breaks up with him and has him help her erase all the mentions of him from her diary that she's also been writing. Sadly, this is right after Lucy said that she'd marry him. So it's like extra ah, ah, deep. Um, Henry goes on his sailing trip eventually after we get like a montage of them being sad he goes on a sailing trip or starts going but is 
but the dad brings him a tape to listen to like on the way like a cd or whatever and it's the beach boys and it's one of the funniest scenes ever where he's singing the song and crying and it's so funny uh and uh he thinks that the tape means that lucy remembers him so he turns around to go to her she's teaching at she's teaching art therapy classes at the hospital and when he asks if she knows who he is she says no i I do want to point out she's now at the hospital because she didn't want to put pressure on her dad and brother so she's living there yes um she says no but she takes him into her gallery and shows her shows him the pictures that she's drawn of him so there's like a bunch of pictures of adam sandler <laughs> and one really good picture that's just an egg on a man's shoulders because he has an egghead yeah uh, so she says every night that she dreams about him and they get back together and we flash forward to lucy watching a tape on a houseboat they're in alaska and her dad is there and she has a daughter ah the end um obviously i skipped over all the lula parts and i skipped over nick and sue and i skipped over yeah. sean astin um being a guy who's like always on the juice <laughs> yeah sean astin's character is so good in this it's just a it's so funny um and it's it's specific i want to talk about his character real quick he's a yeah. uh person kind of addicted to working out i guess um taking steroids and trying to become mr hawaii um but he is like a small man who is shown that he's like not very tough and yeah. has trouble like adam sandler's character is able to just push him down but he he is very much a a mirror of Adam Sandler's character in my mind. How so? Um. Well, they have one part where Adam Sandler's character says that he uh was kind of cheated on by his college girlfriend Tracy. Doug talks about uh in the mirror about tr- how from Tracy from high school won't uh, ignore him anymore. There's this idea of. Doug's character trying to become more masculine and bigger, where Adam Sandler's character is a successful veterinarian who gets a lot of women in a very, you know, quote-unquote masculine way, I guess. Yeah, he's a veterinarian for marine mammals. Yes. And apparently penguins. I mean, that penguin is so good in this movie. Yeah. I love that kid. He wears a little shirt at one point. Oh, it's great. Oh, I love penguins. They also, it's like, Doug is taking control of her and or is not taking, taking care of his sister but he's obviously not enjoying the fact that he has to and really doesn't want this responsibility which is how mm-hmm. adam sandler's character would have acted in the beginning and by the end adam mm-hmm. sandler is trying to take care of her and wants to and it, it, it's very you're seeing the different things and uh notably that doug character doesn't go on the final trip he's allowed to pass by and like kind of grow up once they all leave yeah yeah and i liked that Mm. let's talk about this thing um i noticed in the movie there's a lot that you can say about it's not necessarily ableism but it's kind Mm. of ableism in that like we have to give up our entire lives to take care of our our sister who has a disability Mm -hmm. she has brain damage we have to take care of her and not only that we have to coddle her yeah we have to make sure things are absolutely perfect so she never has a bad day or like reduce that that those bad days like you have brain damage you can't remember your your life of course you're gonna have bad days of course it's going to be um bad but then uh, henry comes in and he says like well it's because you're you're basically her whole life is a setup you have fake newspapers printed you have pineapples mm-hmm. in a in a freezer like of course she's gonna 
think yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a lot worse for her when she finds out. I think being lied to about your situation is like a really, I mean, they're trying to do well, but obviously they don't understand doing well. And I think that's a very good portrayal of kind of how we treated people medically mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, and probably mm-hmm. still currently, I don't know enough about it to say, but I do know there has been, you know, steps taken. But, like, the mental health aspect of treating a family member used to be it's very bad or you have to coddle them completely and there's these weird ideas about it. and Or you abandon them in a hospital. Yes. Those are, like, the two options. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, they've, they've learned things and they can actually help people. Um, and I'm not saying this is probably what you would do in this situation. I don't know what you would do. But I do know, like lying to people about what's going on with them is not what we do anymore i actually read something that said some doctors were inspired by this movie and started making videos for their patients with dementia for them to watch oh that's nice yeah i mean it's i mean the 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 disability that she has is not a real thing it's not a real syndrome Um, and I'm not a, I'm not a brain doctor, so who knows, (laughs) like, how similar this is to other things, and I know that, like, amnesia can happen and can be a thing, but, uh, she, like, the problem really is that she ends up feeling like a burden on her family, and that is also true for a lot of people who who are disabled, they end up feeling like a burden on their family, and their self, their self-esteem can tank really hard, and, Like, that is also a reason why, like, giving up your entire life to care for a family member like that and and making it known, like, hey, this is, like, like I'm giving up dreams for you. That's not a thing you should say to people. Yeah, Um, but it's also a pretty realistic portrayal of um, how how you might have to go about a serious ailment like that. I mean, uh, from personal experience, um, me and you have both met my late nana who had alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and could no longer do the stuff she did she was like an extremely competent uh head of the household getting a lot of people together cooking and keeping things organized and regressed to the point where she was immobile and couldn't tell like who i was she would mistake me for my father Mm -hmm. like it's very realistic in my mind the idea that someone could you know, through no fault of their own, obviously, accidentally become a barrier between someone and their goals just because they're, like, want to take care of them and have the best for them. And I think it's, you know, represented a lot in the fact that Drew Barrymore's character is an extremely good person in this movie, so people are going to go out of their way to try to keep her safe and well. Yeah. And this is going to take me to another theme here which is the identity and how it's connected heavily into your memory um you've heard of the ship of theseus right yes it is a ship and this idea that if you replace each part of the ship one by one and build another ship with it with the old pieces which is the ship of theseus is the old one is the new one philosophy yeah it's it's a philosophical like it's a it's a think it's a it's a thinker it's a think thing um 
And it's not necessarily a one-for-one one here because it's not like her memories are being replaced, but she is starting from scratch every day, which is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. But the thing that got me really thinking about that idea was Adam Sandler's character's boat because they're constantly having to fix it and replace things mm-hmm. on it. And that got me thinking about the memory and, and identity issue. Um and, and how do you keep track of these things and how much of you is your memory versus something else? There's a line that um, the dad says at one point, like, she doesn't know who she is. Yeah. But that's not true. She does know who she is. She has a whole lifetime of memories. She's just missing, you know, what's happening to her now. Um, but anyway, back to Ship of Theseus. One of the things that Adam Sandler does on his ship is he has a captain's log right Mm -hmm. and this is like a voiceover in his head and he like he like always is talking about how i'm gonna do this thing and it's always interrupted by something on the ship breaking and what that to me represents is this idea that recorded memory can be fallible yeah his his log is interrupted the 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 identity that he's creating for himself here in this log this 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 memory is it can be broken just like a ship can be and this also comes back into play with the diary even though the diary is supposed to be this foolproof method of keeping track of her memories she's able to completely eternal sunshine of the spotless mind herself Mm. which came out the same year as this actually yeah interesting yeah one of the plot points in the movie is when she wants to break up with him she has him rip out all the pain. go through yeah yeah go through her diary and, and rip out the pages that, that reference stuff. him so that she couldn't remember him um i want to talk about that scene do you because that scene is a little tricky ethically for yeah. me the memories belong to her they are her memories yes did adam sandler have the obligation to stop her did she have the right to do that to her future self those are my two questions okay um he did not have an obligation to stop her, but he didn't have to help her, which is what she was doing or what yeah. he did do. Um, I I, I kind of think like in this, I'm imagining like, like younger teenagers, basically. Do I mm-hmm. did I have an obligation at 16 year old not to fuck up the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. No, I can do whatever I want with it. So that would be my answer is is you don't have an obligation to yourself. But if you fuck it up, she doesn't get the knowledge that it was her fault and she can't grow from it. So mistakes can never be good for her. That's the thing that's real messed up to me. Yeah. So I think like the theme, one of the major themes of this movie is that both identity and memory are extremely fallible yeah um, we, can, we can also see that too like with the newspaper even though like it's a newspaper is supposed to be an infallible log of information turns out that she was being scammed by it by her dad the the videos that adam sandler makes she ends up wanting to be involved in the videos and that's also why she does the diary because she she says that she wants to tell herself about herself yeah. and not have someone to tell her tell her about herself and how like that the way that we we keep memories does influence our identity i keep a diary that i don't write in very often but um i do write in it especially like when i'm feeling i don't know like when i'm feeling detached from myself and what i like to do is i write an entry and then i go back through and i read the whole thing 
And it really helps me see like, yes, the problem that I'm experiencing right now, this is not me making stuff up. It is, this is a pattern in my life or whatever I wanted to see it as. And just having that helps me, helps me feel more secure in who I am. And it also prevents me from being, for example, gaslit, mm -hmm. even by my own self. I mean, that's who I like to gaslit is myself. Um, there, I remember, <laughs> I don't know if this is true, so any of you brain geniuses can hit me with it if it is. The whole idea that uh, you remake all your cells in your body every seven years, so most of your memories are actually memories of memories, and if you somehow successfully, say for 10 years, don't think of something, it'll, it'll leave your brain forever. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it very much feels like that's a good representation of what's happening here. Because in my mind, like, I, I can't remember, you know, like, stuff I should from my childhood, I guess. Me too. And, like, even, like, high school, like, what number my friend lived at that we went to every single day. Like, I should be able to remember that, and I can't. Um, yet, it's because it wasn't like that in the point that I didn't think about it for so long. It's been a decade since I did that stuff. Is it... <laughs> Is it because that old part of me is now erased and I've shipped the Theseus's over to a new person? <laughs> or am I the same Alex? Mm -hmm. Or or again, how much of your identity is actually your memory? Because that's also a philosophical question and a, um, a psychological question. Yeah. How much of how much of your personality is made up of your memory versus how much of it is inherent to you? And uh, the one thing I, I like to think about a lot is uh, there's a saying that you are a amalgamation of the five people you spend the most time with. And mm -hmm. I mean, I think some people could see we're what month three of quarantine time, right? Yeah. Like, uh huh. I I keep I keep doing mannerisms and sayings from people I listen to a lot now. Yeah. And we were talking about that, you know, in person, but. Could Drew Barrymore's character just be herself the like <laughs> super hard because she never will be bounded by other people? Or is she just a snapshot of herself? Because it does show she mm -hmm. has some slight growth in the fact that she's remembering Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. but she obviously can't ever pick up on someone's mannerisms or any of that stuff. So maybe subconsciously yeah. she can change, but not out of that. I don't know. Obviously, yeah. it's fictional, so there's not a real answer for that. But of course, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. No, but I mean, memory loss is something that's that's really scary. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of getting dementia when they're older. They're afraid of losing their memories. Yeah, and like dealing with trauma and mental illness can also harm your memory. Yeah, it's something people don't mention and... very often. Is like trauma and depression can just like yeah. have memory loss completely. Like I yeah. I feel like I've lost a lot of my memories from the time where I was suffering from depression greatly. Like, it's just not there. There are, there are whole-ass people that I've probably forgotten about. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I, I, um, it's like how I can't remember the video game San Andreas, uh, except for, <laughs> no, no, sorry, GTA 3, I think it was, whichever one came out in 2002, because I, I played it right after my father's death, and me and my brother would just sit there and play it for a long period of time. I don't remember that period of time, mm -hmm. like at all, because it was yeah. it was shitty. I purposely it was didn't. traumatic. Yeah. But yeah. like, I should remember that game because I can remember the other like GTAs perfectly for some reason. I don't know why that has to be a core memory of mine, but you know, it's mm -hmm. in there. It's not leaving apparently. Oh, 
and and that's so weird. There are also plenty of studies that say like you can trick someone into having a memory that they don't actually have, uh, and that's why you know that's why witness testimony is so. I I actually have a not great. good story. My uh my so I switched schools between middle school and high school, and my mm-hmm. high school friends um would occasionally start talking about like memories and things they did in middle school, and I just decided one day to start implementing myself into those stories. And at first, it was like a funny joke, and they'd be like, you weren't fucking there, dude. Stop it. You're confusing me. But, like, three years later, I just remember two of them being like, I legitimately don't know if Alex was there or not. I can remember him being there. And I'm like, no, I wasn't there. That was before we met. And they're just like, God, you have to stop doing that. And I did because it's as much as a funny high school joke it is, like, (laughs) messing with your friend's heads that hard gets a little weird. But that was was fun. You know, that I think is the number one horror reference in this movie is just how horrifying the scenario is. Yeah. This could be very easily a horror movie. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't really think we have to get into the morality of marrying someone who can only remember their past life and like them having, having a Having a child with them? Oh my god. No, we don't need to get into morality because yeah. it's supposed to be a rom-com and it's a fake syndrome. Yes. So let's move past that. Yeah, basically, we understand it's morally ambiguous, but they do make strides to make sure that Drew Barrymore is the one pushing the ideas. No. Yes. But... Now, I, with your permission, mm-hmm. moving on to a slightly different topic, but very connected, want to talk about another element of memory. And I think it becomes, I think these ethical lines blur a little bit more if we're talking about memory as colonial capital. Mm-hmm. I looked up, I, I'm not a historian, and I'm not an expert in Hawaii, obviously, but I think a lot about post-colonial lens on, on literature, again, um, looking at these different ways of, of examining texts. Mm-hmm. And instantly, when we're put in Hawaii, I think about colonialism, because obviously the United States pretty much forcibly seized Hawaii. Um, It was a peaceful, quote-unquote, peaceful overthrow, but they were a sovereign nation before we came in, and in fact, they they asked for protection from the United States, and we kind of betrayed them because of sugar and pineapple and whatever. Yeah. Um, Mostly sugar. Um, But memory and, and writing things down is a powerful thing for colonialism, either at like the colonists keeping the colonies in place mm-hmm. or the people who are the, the colonized the people who are colonized remembering the real history and being able to move beyond it uh, erasing historical memory or changing it is it's it's one of the steps of cultural genocide yeah uh, so i wanted to talk about hawaii and um some of the things that i thought um, make this a little tricky. If we picture Drew Barrymore's character as like representative of like a colony, like like the the colonized people, like a colony as a whole, something harmful happened to her that caused her trauma, and now anyone else can implant what is happening to her by writing memories for her, and she can keep those logs. But then we get to that scene where she's like, I'm going to erase you from this. Now, is that, if we're looking at that as, like, the people erasing a history, is that ethical? I don't, this is a rhetorical yeah. question, well, really. We don't need to talk I, about I it. I think but. in that idea, 
where we're so I think the I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, Drew Barrymore is a Howley, which is Howley. Howley. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a white person who's not part of Hawaiian culture, basically. A colonist. Yes, and that is what I saw everyone refer to as uh, Drew Barrymore's character when watching this. Um, and when the 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 movie is based on this person instead of Hawaii. It, 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 it makes that question interesting to me because mm-hmm. the only thing important in the overall narrative is what what did happen to the white people, though. And I mean, yeah. that's that's, you know, what American history teaches us. So, yeah, that, that's the thing. That's where it becomes <laughs> is is the whole thing morally, you know, down the drain, because there's probably more to it than that. I mean, there there's a whole um, hospital for memory issues. And mm-hmm. I mean, we see one other person, Alan Covert's character, Tom, who only has a 10 second memory. But like, there's probably a lot of other stories there of people who have the same types of things going on. But that's not what we get to see. We get to see the, the white perspective. I want to talk about the, the book that they're, uh, what the fuck is Drew Barrymore's character being called in this? She, Lucy. The book that Lucy's reading. The still life with woodpecker a sort of a Mm -hmm. love story with tom robbins Mm -hmm. so this book's weird but it it's a super weird book it's a postmodern fairy have you read it or i i did some research Mm -hmm. on it i haven't read it yeah um but there are some times so here's the important thing and the thing i want i mentioned at the beginning of why i think adam sandler chose to film it in hawaii um so the movie was supposed to be in seattle right Mm -hmm. in this book Princess Leia Cherie, a red-headed vegetarian liberal princess, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, by the way, and former cheerleader, lives with her exiled royal parents, Max and Tilly, and their last loyal servant, Guilletta, in a converted farmhouse in Seattle. While attending a liberal care fest in Hawaii with scientific and political speakers, including her idol, Ralph Nader, Leia Cherie meets Bernard <laughs> Mickey Wrangler, an outlaw bomber known as the Woodpecker. Like Leishiri, he is a redhead, and unlike her, he plans to blow up the care fest. So I think this book probably had more than a little to do with this guy's plot. Um, it has some weird stuff where the guy gets sent to prison, and then she puts herself in her own prison in the attic that looks like his prison as an act of revolt. Um, there's also aliens in it. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, redheads are evil or something. But But there's this weird part of the book which uh shows woodpecker they call him an anarchist and then say he's gonna bomb care fest because freedom is more important than happiness and then he accidentally bombs a ufo convention um because he was drunk (laughs) but i don't think that's anything to do with it if they put this movie or this book in the movie on purpose and assuming it was you know a purposeful thing in the script Oh, I think they did for sure. There's no re- there's no way that they didn't put that in on purpose. Yeah, um, especially with the Seattle to Hawaii part. Um, mm-hmm. In my mind. Well, and there's also there's also this romance thing in there. They talk like how do you make love stay, etc. Yes. Um, and so obviously the book's weird. And I haven't read it, but like it it has such a silly in my mind idea of like freedom is more important than happiness. But they're gonna do that by bombing a care fest, like a liberal thing to promote stuff. Um, obviously not mm-hmm. realizing that freedom is for everyone and taking away someone else's freedom is bad you idiot that's also not what anarchists do they don't just bomb stuff but whatever 
she finds this secret message from the aliens, apparently, that reads choice. And when he hears about this from prison, he gets angry at her for, like, exiling herself on purpose. And that could be mirrored slightly in this movie of, like, her exiling herself at the hospital and him going to go to Alaska. Um, it's obviously different, but if if we're taking this idea of choice and, you know, freedom versus happiness and the applying it to the lens of this movie is what they're saying that you have to have a to be actually free you have to to give up some happiness or is it yeah in order to gain happiness do you have to give up some freedom do you have a choice in these manners and do people deserve a choice stuff like that i think that's Mm -hmm. what they're trying to get at i don't really know if they hit it super well um but also that movie is super weird the book yeah and talks about metaphysical outlawism which is <laughs> i mean it's a it's a totally postmodern book yeah i i uh i liked the movie can i can i talk about my uh weird conspiracy theory yeah <laughs> so there's a scene where adam sandler after meeting her for the first day mm-hmm. hits his head like he he hits a golf ball and it apparently bounces off of a car and hits his head and he gets knocked out but during this time we don't see that we think that like the movie keeps going he goes down a cliff to go get the ball and he sees drew barrymore on the beach and they start making out and then he realizes like he wakes up they wake him up um if you get knocked out and you start dreaming that vividly um you probably have some kind of brain damage right i mean yeah Uh, i guess the movie (laughs) when he goes to the hospital He is let in by Peter Dante because it seems like he belongs there. Um, mm-hmm. In in her art gallery, in Lisa's art gallery, he is there. He's super present in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the movie ends with the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow played by... Um, well, I can't pronounce it, so good luck. Israel Kamaka, Kamaka We Wheel Ole. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's the very sweet ukulele version but in somewhere over the rainbow dorothy was dreaming the entire time yeah what if this movie isn't about lucy not remembering things but it's really <laughs> about adam sandler having brain damage because he hit his head on a golf ball too much and he's just dreaming the whole thing or and that is my <laughs> so th- that reminds me of a a theory i have about the popular uk uh show skins um Uh and basically in that show in because teenagers are unable to understand emotional changes clearly they have every big emotional issue dealt with physically in the real world when the sociopathic character first experiences love he gets hit by a bus and (laughs) then literally sings a song about falling in love while bleeding out in the street um there's this person's uh depression uh actually gives him like his mental illness gives him an aneurysm in the show and he just dies um which is you know it is as dark as it seems it's a pretty dark show when it comes down to it um and there's there's some other stuff that is overtly metaphysical like that i'm thinking in this can we see this change in him be he got hit so that his subconscious could just talk straight to the viewers of this movie that he was so, you know, like, hit by this woman that he is now hoping to spend forever with her. And 
instead of going through, you know, emotional change in the movie and teaching this womanizer how having a monogamous relationship might be what he wants, they just hit him in the fucking head and lets his subconscious say instead. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Or does he have memory loss? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out in the sequel to this movie, 51 First Dates, coming in 2021. I love that Penguin Willie, though. That's my favorite part. You know what? That also, I feel like, ties into colonialism a little bit. Yeah, the penguin with the little... You know that there's like a there's a penguin colony on Hawaii, but they're not native penguins. Like a hotel chain brought them in. I mean, yeah, but he also makes sure that the animals aren't sick, and he gives the penguin a little shirt. What? Yeah. Also, the walrus throws up on someone. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Yeah, we haven't even talked about like the weird, yeah, gender jokes. But let's not. Yeah, there's we've hammered, we've tarred. I mean. This movie is more about post-colonialism. It's fine. Yeah, minus one point for two separate instances of bad trans jokes. Yeah. Which, damn it. Um, but plus one point for Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, and actually that brings me to what I want to end this on. I want. Uh-huh. I don't know if we should do this together or separately, but we're one th- third of the way through. I want uh-huh. to have a score for the first third of these movies and oh. here's how i want to do it i'm thinking uh minus five to a plus five we give that score to every movie and then i'll add them all up and we will say where we're at right now are we gonna rank them no 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 so like the movie little nikki for me that's a minus four okay so taking away four points so we're scaling them based off their like on their own not comparatively yes no, it's not a relative score. It's an absolute it's score. It's an absolute score, the first third. Okay, let's let's do this together, but I think it's fine if we give a, our own scores. Okay, um, I'm also fine. Uh, just you, I'm going to have you just tell me them so I can add them up because I have a pen and paper right here. Okay. Okay, going let's overboard. <sighs> this movie. It's It's not good. It's barely a movie. It's barely a movie, um, but... But I don't find it... It's, o- still, it's still better, I think, than some things. I'm going to give it a negative four. All right. I'm going to give it a negative three. Okay. That was my original instinct, but I'm going to stick with yeah. negative four. Um, I, I think once, if it goes overtly offensive, it's a negative four to negative five. Because negative five for me is an absolute zero. That is a master disguise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, can I amend my, well, we're not relative. Yeah. I'm not going yeah. relative. It's a negative four. It's, it's, a, it's a negative Airheads. four. Oh, two. I also gave it a plus two. Okay. Uh, Billy Madison. That's a three. Same. Happy Gilmore. That's a four. Ooh, really? I gave it a three. I liked it a lot. Bulletproof. Uh, that's a negative one. I gave it a negative two. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. That's why I gave it a negative mm-hmm. one. If if you take my <laughs> idea of it being a religious metaphor, I kind of like it. But after that, nah. The Wedding Singer. Yeah. That's a five for me. I'm sorry. I love that I'm movie. I'm giving it a plus four. I thought it was really good. Uh, Waterboy. Uh, wait, is five a perfect movie? It's, I mean, no, it's five stars. Per- 10 out of 10, you don't have to be perfect. Okay, it, it's a five yeah. for me then. Yeah. Um, The Waterboy. A one. I, I'm going to give it a plus one also. It's. I'd see it again, but I don't need to. Big Daddy. That's a five. That's, that's a five for me also. Deuce Bigelow. That's a one. <laughs> Let me think. I, I kind of like that movie. I might watch it again. 
thinking through it all. Uh, no, I, pro I probably wouldn't watch it again. I'm going to give it a zero. I changed my mind. I thought... It, I, I did call it exactly like an, anything worse than that's bad. So I'm going to give it a zero, too. Yeah. Little Nicky. <sighs> that's a negative one for Ooh, me. Oh, really? I gave it a negative four. I just... Yeah, I didn't find it as bad as you did. It just sucks so bad. It's not funny. It's the problem. Ugh. Joe Dirt. That's another zero for me. I'm giving that a plus two, actually. I just, I think it's Christopher Walken, but I I like it. it it's because of Christopher Walken. Let's not fucking lie okay. to ourselves. The animal. Oh, that's a negative three. So, it's a negative oh, four. I, I give it a negative three. <laughs> it's a negative four. I, actually, I'm going to give it a negative three. I'm thinking about it. It is, it is better than going overboard, so. Punch Drunk Love. That's another five. That, yeah, that's a five for me. That's that is a fantastic movie, Mister mm -hmm. Deeds. That's a four. I gave it a three, but it's a high three. Master of Disguise. That's a negative five. That's a negative for five me. for me. That's that movie's so goddamn bad. It's very bad. Eight Crazy Nights. Mm, that's a negative three. Okay, I gave it a negative four. I didn't like it at all. I found it tolerable. Um, it was a movie. It was yeah. a movie, and I like animation. Oh. Uh, yeah, management. Uh, that's a oh god i didn't like that movie either uh that's another negative four yeah, i give it a negative three i really disliked it but like it just it invoked a sense of rage mm -hmm. in me that i don't want to experience yeah. again dicky roberts former child star god that's a negative uh, that's as bad as going overboard negative four okay i i give it a negative two disjointed blah blah, blah. it had some funny moments though and it wasn't like overtly just shit um, I felt like it was just as discombobulated as going overboard, but I've harped on that for so long. Yeah. Keep going. Fifty first dates. Oh, that's a five for me because I actually really like this. I give it a plus four. I thought it was really good. Okay, <laughs> now give me one second. Okay, as you can tell, I am a sucker for rom coms, and uh, I will not apologize for that. I like Drew Barrymore, and I like Adam Sandler, and I like when they're on a screen together, and I like when I see them kiss. It's cute. If my math was right. You have an overall score of a plus seven, and I have an overall score of a plus six. I guess I like movies better than you. Yeah, um, you dislike movies more than me too. I, I was kind of more close in by the looks. Nah, of it. I like I go by monster factor rules. It's either a plus five or a negative five, baby. All right, that's one way to do it. So, here's the thing: in twenty movies, that's not a super high score. I don't think. Um, it'd be interesting. Yeah, divide to... that by twenty. What? What's seven divided by twenty? Um, like a third. So it's got a third, third of a star. <laughs> third of a point per movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll I'll do some interesting things. We'll score these better and see uh where our ratings go. But so far, one third of the way through. What do you think about Adam Sandler's message? Just quickly, I don't want to get super into it. We'll have that later down the line, and his quality of movies. He is capable of producing good movies. I and I think as per as far as messaging goes, I I can see that he's kind of transitioned out of this mat like this masculine rage theme mm -hmm. and into something different. And I don't know what this next arc is, but you were talking originally about like movements, and I really felt like the like those first movies almost almost the whole first 20 really for being honest it's all about like masculinity and and heteronormativity and and anger 
I mean, there are other themes still in there, but... Yeah, the overarching idea so far for me is, like, getting past that, like, not not childish, but, like, the teenage anger you have at everything and your mm-hmm. want to be separated from it. So this is his adolescent life. Yeah, this is the, the portrait of a comedian as a young man who's angry as shit. And going overboard was his tween life because that was when he was trying to figure out his identity. Yeah, I can give you that. Um, <laughs> and, like, there's even the section of in Airheads he thought, like, I would sexualize myself and then... Like, he was a good-looking guy in that movie. And he's a, he's a movie star. He's a pretty good-looking guy. Even though he starts to make fun of what he looks like later on. Yeah. But he starts off kind of, you know... I am super good looking, and then he becomes self-deprecating throughout this. Mm-hmm. You know, calling himself an egghead, and you know, sorry, I don't look better when she realizes he's dating him, stuff like that. Very interesting. Um, he also, right towards the end of here, he starts playing himself more. Um, and I know a lot of people say what do you mean? he always plays himself, but that's not really true. In Fifty First Dates, though, he's not like. I mean, yeah, he is playing a veterinarian, but he's he's just being, you know, no. No long hair from the wedding singer. He he's going how he dresses, and he's being very him, um, which I think started in Big Daddy, um, to be honest. Yeah, I can see that for mm-hmm. sure. But he's not wearing costumes anymore. He's not the water boy or the wedding singer, or, right? And he's not a a the anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a character now. Yes, um, like a more complex character. Mm-hmm. He's not playing, and very gentle at times too. I I like how sweet he is in big daddy and i like how sweet he is in in mr deeds and how sweet he is in this in 51st dates yeah he can play a very sweet guy and i I wonder if you know in big daddy it was the first time he played a character who had to take responsibility and Mm -hmm. then while playing that character he met his future wife like on set and then he got married i think in 2003 like wait did he meet his wife on that set she was the... I didn't know that. I know that she was the waitress. He pointed that out, but I thought that she had been brought in because they already knew no, each other. No, he met her there. Oh my gosh, that is so cute and romantic. So like, in in this idea... Uh, she was in this movie too, by the way. She was in the dentist office, but... uh, God, it would be it, devastating to my self-esteem to see the chemistry that Drew Barrymore and he have on screen. Ooh, ooh, buddy. Does... Does this show the fact that he's he's no longer um, portraying himself as a childish man because he isn't anymore? Yeah, he's growing up. I mean, he's he has responsibilities now. Um, and there's even the the eight crazy nights thing is almost like him trying to talk about the fact that like he was just maybe shitty, like maybe he was like a drunk and doing a bunch of wild stuff. I don't actually know. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. Even like you know. Personally, I don't think of my days of being <laughs> drunk too often and like going off and you know being dumb all the time. You know, I ran a bar. I had a lot of access to alcohol in my early twenties. I don't. I don't think of that as like negative what I did, but I do talk about it in a way of like, yeah, it's probably not a position people should put themselves in because it it does negatively affect your life. And is he kind of trying to be like, hey, like maybe don't be this person? Who knows? I don't yeah. know yet. I don't know. But also, does does he have to deal with the fact that he's a fucking millionaire from this shit? Who's, who <laughs> says don't go out and be a dumb idiot who's making fun of everyone? Because I'm fucking super rich now and I was successful and everything I ever wanted to do came true. I don't know his actual dreams, but I assume he got pretty close. 
another thing you want to say about his message is that we have had lots of really interesting conversations now about Adam Sandler movies, and the only movies where we haven't really been able to have really deep conversations are some of the ones that he's not in. Yeah, which makes me... That's I think all. he has a lot um, more influence on these movies than where we see. Yeah, that he's like not getting writer's credits and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, because, um, you know, you, the characters he plays aren't characters um except i think in punch drunk love maybe characters that no that was written for him never mind that was written 100 for him yeah it was written specifically for him um, yeah it was written to be a happy medicine film yeah he, he's not jumping into the 51st kisses script and playing this character this is him adding stuff to a new script or ad living mm-hmm. whichever it turns out to be but like this is an ab sandler movie you can't throw someone else in there you can't like you know that's just true yeah um and whether or not that's a good or bad thing i don't really know yet yeah you know we gotta we gotta keep going we gotta keep on checking yeah i mean i'm not looking forward to watching any more of these movies that don't have him in it though because i've just not really found a lot to say about adam sandler necessarily with them I, some of them are all right I though i think more of these movies now actually have him than don't um mm-hmm. i will say like i'm now going through our, our new list what do you have a most excited for a movie and a least excited for a movie having changed oh, let's see um because i think bucky larson born to be a star is going to be the worst movie now um because it's one of those names here's what it's about thing um even though i love uh nick swartzen although he sucks at valorant i kicked his ass the other day okay um i am going to say that my movie that i'm least looking forward to now Ooh, it might be a tie between Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. The reason being is that because Deuce Bigelow was so not offensive compared to what I was worried about, I'm worried that this one's going to be like, <laughs> you thought yeah. and just like, go for it. Or um, Joe Dirt 2, A Beautiful yeah, Loser. That, that movie's going to suck. David's, David Spade could hardly carry the first one. So... <laughs> yeah and i don't know which one it is um but like the uh, movie that's just like really racist i hear um i'm Ooh, wait what there's a, there's a movie that's just really racist i think so i don't remember what it is though <laughs> which uh-oh oh, landmine no. um uh, <laughs> we're gonna step on it. it's gonna be it's, bad it was the western i don't know what it's called though from what i hear i don't actually know much about it I'm, okay. I'm willing to bet it's less racist than Master of Disguise. It was just made, you know, a decade or two after. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, The Ridiculous Six. Oh, That's yes, the one yeah, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. That one had some, some thoughts yeah. on it. I actually, I I am linchpinning it at this point. A, I think the Jack and Jill episode's going to be two hours long. And I think it's going to be the key <laughs> to everything. Just everyone hates it. <laughs> Jar Jar is the key to all of everyone this. Everyone hates it so much. It has to be right. I, I need it to be right. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Also, like the I will say the Paul Blart mall cop, which uh, fits into that idea of terrible movie. Just oh, I'm gonna love. I'm so excited to watch Paul Blart mall cop. We, too. we should have to recuse ourselves from scoring those movies because I'm gonna find them so fun just because of our Thanksgiving tradition. That's true. That's very um, true. If you if you haven't, go check out Till Death Do Us Blart, a movie. Uh, <laughs> A podcast where they just watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 once a year and then talk about it. Um, <laughs> every Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving forever, and they hate it. Oh. Like, they say 
forever like they say for eternity like they, they, <laughs> they're, they're gonna pass down the role of uh blart watch which yeah that's that's beautiful it is beautiful it's, it's so nice to have traditions yeah <laughs> What are we watching tomorrow, speaking of traditions? Uh, we're watching 2004's Spanglish. Um, I hate when we talk about this after we've already watched the movie. Um, Spanglish is a... I would have believed it was a rom-com. I don't think I'm that far off, but... Yeah, Um, I, I did specifically say I didn't think I was going to like it earlier in uh, the episodes. Um, But with knowing that he's a little better at dramatic roles than I really knew... I could like it a little more, maybe. Mm -hmm. I said we already watched it because, hey, guess what? It's a quarantine and power's out in some places, so we have a guest. Yep. I, I actually think the quarantine's over, but, like, it shouldn't be. Um, so. No. My guest is my sister and her power's out. Jackie was on a previous podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, so we could talk about it. Um, yeah, the, the podcast, being on the podcast gives you immunity from coronavirus, so if you want to come on and. Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm like <laughs> over I no, I was gonna uh, say we'll invite all my friends over then on. Oh just God. really pack this no. place. I mean, I trust my sister to have been upholding good quarantine. Oh. <laughs> I don't trust really much of anyone else. Yeah. So our our next uh guest specifically wasn't quarantining good. Although seemingly did better than everyone else around him, so there you go. Are you talking about Ben? Yeah. This this is a funny thing to go out is Ben requested specific permission to go into work during quarantine because no one else was there and it was the only way he could, would actually trust himself to get his job done so he's still quarantined no, I think... but he did go into work every day to an empty office and work there i think we've talked about ben several times on this podcast yeah i know for sure you compared dicky right you compared david spade yeah. to ben on the mm -hmm. last one so he's gonna have his own podcast lore building up to his episode. it's this sunday so get hyped <laughs> Get on, yeah, get on the hype train. <laughs> Ben's coming. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> he he is. I actually think our biggest fan of this at this point. <laughs> I think so. And on behalf of Ben, do you want to explain why you chose the quote that you chose? Yeah, I chose the quote. Oh my God, is he trying to tell me something? Because <laughs> is he is is, is he, he trying to tell me something? I don't know. Um, you know what I think he's trying to tell us. To, like, hang out in Hawaii and just have a good time? No. To, what if I ended the podcast right here before we, like, stopped? <laughs> it it would have been really good. I would have been okay. I know, but we have to do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. And you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. Um, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames. But please, instead, donate to The Bail Project. Yeah. Um, our wonderful backers of Moonpunk, many of them donated... Um, the material costs of their books to the Bale Project with us, and we were able to match them for $685. So I'm very excited that we were able to make such a contribution. Yeah, it was super cool of them. Thank you. Super cool of them. Yes, thank you. And um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jaska. And you can find me at Kitty Crusade. And Jess, can I ask you, do you know the tagline to Spanglish? Is it? Please take my no, wife. It's Yeva mi esposa por favor. <laughs> Which is Spanish for <laughs> I yeah, I Google translated it. Probably I didn't say it good at all. I'm bad with languages. No. I'm sorry, everybody. No.